Okay, three, three disclaimers before I begin the sermon uh, this morning. Uh, number one, I have a lot of material to cover. And I mentioned that in Bible class this morning, and I'm going to do my best to still get us out in time to beat everyone else to the restaurants. So I'm going to speak as fastly as I can, and I, I'm going to try as best I can to resist the temptation uh, to maybe uh, jump off track just a little bit and get on a soapbox or two. There is opportunity for me to do that this morning, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to resist that as best I can. Secondly, there's, there's a lot of repetition today, but as you've heard me say, since I've been back, the three R's of learning are repetition, repetition, repetition. And so there will be some things uh, repeated uh, in the sermon this morning that some of you who are in Bible class have already heard once. And if you've been in other Bible classes or if you were here for the sermon on May 26, you're going to hear some of the same things. But again, I have been encouraged to repeat some of this uh, as we near the fall, and as we are just two weeks away from September 18th and only three weeks away from September uh, 15th to uh, once again kind of cover some of this uh, material. Disclaimer number three. Any time, at least in, in my experience, when there has been a discussion about doing things working harder, raising the level of commitment when leadership extends a challenge of raising the level of, of expectation, there, there usually is, is some hint or even accusation of legalism. So, I, I hope we all understand we, we are not talking about legalistic things today. If, if it comes across as legalism, that I would encourage you to take that up with the Apostle Paul. Go read Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. He makes it very clear we are saved by grace through faith. And even says that faith is a gift. But we are created in Christ for good works. And so I, I, I mean, I, I, used to, I, I used to repel a little bit. And I recall a, a youth rally. This, this is a soapbox, by the way. I'm already off track a little bit. But it's important. I, I recall a youth rally I attended when I was a freshman in high school. Ironically enough, it was at the Mayfair Church of Christ in Oklahoma City where I later was the preacher, and one of the speakers for that youth rally was a senior from Oklahoma Christian. His name was Grady King. And the theme, the theme of that youth rally was, you don't have to, you get to. And, and there's certainly a time for that message. But as I've, I've reflected on that, and particularly this past week for this sermon this morning, I, I have realized that 
in, in all aspects of life, if, if you want to grow, if you want to mature, if you want to enhance your relationship, whether it's with your wife, your children, your uh, co-workers, if you, if you want to improve yourself in, in anything, there are some things you have to do. I, I mentioned this morning, Lori had left me Thursday morning. She's coming back, I think. She's due back on, on Wednesday afternoon. So, I, I mean, other than my relationship with my God and my Lord, the most important relationship in this world, in my life, for me, is with my wife. And, and, if, and unless I want, as Willard Harley would say, uh, debits withdrawn from my love bank... There are some things I have to do before she gets back on Wednesday night. Like take care of a pile of dirty clothes in our bathroom, straighten up our closet where I've got hangers and suits from who knows when, and the biggest thing are those dishes in the sink. I mean, when she's gone, I still eat, I still cook, but, but the dishes pile up. I, I, am, I am determined to shoot an 80 in golf, 18, a round of golf, 18 holes. But in order for me to do that, yeah, I, I get to go hit a bucket of balls every once in a while, but if I want to break 80, I have to do that. I mean, I, I, I have to do it. And, and, and so, so I, I hope when, as we talk about commitment and raising the level of expectation and doing some things, we, we understand this, this, is not, this is not legalism, okay? It, it's just seeking to grow as a disciple of Jesus and, and becoming uh, servants of this community and, and fulfilling this, this vision that, that, that I, I, I hope we're all convinced is from God, that, that we're called to do these things at this point in this church's history. To connect with God, to be unified, and, and to restore uh, all things. And, and the reality, again, my understanding of, of that aspect of our vision, you know, we normally think of, of salvation as fire insurance. And, and, it, and it means we're not going to the other place. But, but we, we are saved to initiate the kingdom of heaven now. For, for those people who, who can't experience it or haven't experienced it. That, that's what it means to restore all things. And so being encouraged and challenged uh, to go out as God's people and this, to this community and even beyond. So, so those three disclaimers. So are you ready? All right, buckle your seatbelts, because here we go. American Express ran a popular ad campaign from 1987 to 1996, which asserted membership has its privileges. Anybody remember that? All right. Th this was one of the favorites of mine. Uh, do you recognize those two individuals? The tall one is Wilt Chamberlain. The shorter one is Willie Shoemaker. Shoemaker, four foot eleven. Chamberlain, seven foot one. And uh, 
American Express used a variety of celebrities during this particular ad campaign. What was claimed to be true for American Express credit card holders is certainly true for the church. Membership has its privileges. I mean, we, we could spend the rest of the morning just, just listing all of those blessings from God that we receive by being in Christ, being a part of the body of Christ, being a part of, of His family. And, and I would like to think, again, this has kind of been our, our, our theme, that, that there are certain privileges about being a member of this local congregation, right here at Lamar Avenue. It is such a blessing. But also for the church, membership has its responsibilities. This morning in uh, our combined Bible class, I, I shared a, a very simple church growth formula. You open the front door, you welcome people in, you bring people in. We usually think of that in terms of outreach or evangelism. But in order to keep them, we close the back door. And so when we close the back door, we're talking about assimilating people. We're talking about membership. And in our context this summer, we are particularly talking about discipleship. And so in our Bible classes, and along with a number of our announcements and some things that have been going on behind the scenes, we have emphasized closing the back door this summer here at Lamar Avenue. And so we, we've emphasized what it means to be a disciple. And we've created a path or, or a process that a person uh, can go through. And again, all, all designed to help us close the back door. So as we continue, I, I want to review three, uh, one's a sermon and two are, are Bible classes, uh, of, of some things that, that I have shared really since May 26th. Now, May 26th was the Sunday of uh, Memorial Day, and, and a lot of us got to go somewhere for that extended weekend. I had to stay here. So I was here on that Sunday morning, and I preached a sermon I titled, In Limbo. You can go to the next slide. And in that sermon, I shared with us a, a term, liminality. Liminality is a term describing a boundary, a threshold situation, a fork in the road. You might remember I began that uh, sermon that morning with quotes from Yogi Berra. And one of his most famous is, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. And so our, our, our theme that particular morning was, was maybe to, to suggest that that we, as God's people, are in a state of liminality. And when you go to Scripture, you'll see a number of examples of God's people being in that state. You know, Israel in Egyptian captivity. 
Israel and Babylonian captivity. You know, you go, you go to the New Testament. Uh, can, can you imagine? Can you imagine one of the disciples after Jesus was buried on that Friday afternoon before he was raised on Sunday morning? I, I mean, you're talking about a fork in the road. And, and then, then you might uh, think about uh, the 40 days between Jesus' ascension and the day of Pentecost that we read in, in Acts chapter 2. And, and on a broader scale, we could say that the church itself is, is constantly at this fork in the road in this position of, of liminality uh, between Christ ascending to heaven and his second coming. So at the conclusion of, of that lesson, I suggested that, that this summer, as, as we prepare for our homecoming celebration, 150 years on September 8th, that, that we were in a, a state of liminality. Liminality calls for reflection, decision, and action. And, and so we have planned this summer. We have programmed this summer. We've emphasized some things that I'm going to get, get to here in, in, in just, just a moment. It, it was a time of decision. And we will reach, we'll come through the threshold, really beginning September uh, 15th. So, fast forward about three Sundays to June 16th. And in Bible class, Sunday school class, that particular uh, Sunday morning, I, I titled the lesson, Two Vehicles for uh, the Journey. And a, a recent church growth uh, study uh, documented a, a, a weakness that is, is often seen in churches that, are, that have become stagnant or are declining, and it is this, an insufficient emphasis on smaller units as a key for assimilation and greater commitment. And so I listed six things that smaller units can provide in the local congregation. Smaller units provide deeper friendships. Smaller units provide accountability relationships. Smaller units provide environments for spiritual growth. Smaller units provide maximum participation. Smaller units provide ministry opportunities. And smaller units provide elders a better opportunity to shepherd. And so the two vehicles, going back to the title of that particular Sunday school lesson, Sunday morning Bible class and, and life groups. And if you were here that particular uh, Sunday morning, I, I shared some of um, the things that I had observed and um, some statistical uh, studies that I had uh, undergone uh, in the, at that time, uh, almost 12 months that, that I had been back here uh, at Lamar Avenue. And here's what I discovered. On any given Sunday currently, of the total attendance on Sunday morning, only 55% attended Bible class. We were pers persistently late as well. Now, now Lamar Avenue is not the only church that that's the case. I mean, it's some of, for some of us, it's just in our DNA. I get it. 
All right? However, often I observe teachers being late. And, and the thing that concerned me most about that was the impression it made upon our guest. I, I recall I taught a class in April and May, and there was one particular Sunday morning. Uh, I got to the classroom about a quarter till. We had some guests come in at 10 till 9, and there weren't any members that showed up until 10 after 9. That's not good. That's not a good first uh, Im impression. And so, again, it, it, was, it was primarily my suggestion. I approached the elders about, hey, could we at least try for a while flipping Bible class in worship? And they agreed uh, to do that. So beginning September 8th, that's, that's what we're going to do. Now, in doing that, we, we understand that there, there will be some of us who are late for worship. But in doing it, we are putting a premium on Sunday school. A disciple is a student, a learner. And it will give teachers an opportunity uh, to perhaps leave during the invitation song and go prepare their class and be ready. And none of us should be late for Bible class. I mean, we're going to have 15 minutes to get from here to whatever class we choose. We can do that, right? Oh, come on. I, you're supposed to respond. We, we can do that, right? Oh, okay, thank you, thank you. And it will, it will give us an opportunity to identify guests, grab them by the hand, and take them to a Bible class. So we'll see, we'll see how this, we'll see how this uh, goes. So we come to the second thing, and that is life group. Uh, Sunday night attendance, uh, again, based upon our average of about 3.30 to 3.35 on Sunday morning, on a non-life group Sunday night, we had 21% participate in the assembly uh, here at the building. On life group Sundays, that uh, participation percentage rose to 46%. Now, I mentioned Bible class this morning. Last year, I think we had 11 life groups and uh, 164 adults enrolled in, in life groups. Now, that doesn't mean that every time a life group met that all of us were in attendance and uh, participated. And so there was, there was this, this commitment, if you will, uh, to enhancing our life group ministry. Again, a smaller unit. Seeking to build relationships, spending time together in fellowship, in Bible study, in prayer, in various service projects. And so last February, we brought uh, Buddy Bell in, who in my opinion is the foremost Church of Christ uh, small group guru that we have. And we brought Buddy in, and then we watched his videos together on Sunday mornings uh, this, this summer. And we assembled a team, and I, I appreciate uh, the Kirby's, the Gerald's, and the May so much. And they, they have spent a lot of time and a lot of work 
putting this thing uh, together, and they've done an exceptional uh, job. And so we, we have this year 13 life groups, and our enrollment has increased from 164 to 203 adults. That's, that's pretty significant, right? And, and so the encouragement this morning is if you've signed up for a group, attend and participate, right? And uh, we, we will, you know, continue uh, to have uh, an assembly here at 6 o'clock, uh, each uh, Sunday evening, the second Sunday night sandwich supper will, will also uh, continue. And I appreciate uh, that group. You're, you're not the smallest of groups, but you're smaller than this. And, and I have consistently been impressed uh, with this group. They, they go to Brahms together. They go to Denny's together. They keep up with, with one another. So I, I, I can remember... Uh, when we began uh, a small group ministry at Westwood, initially we met as small groups the first three um, Sunday nights of the month, and then on the fourth Sunday night we came back uh, together. That continued for about 18 months. Right? And we called that fourth Sunday night Big Small Group. And, and so I guess our, our 6 o'clock assembly is, is a big small group. Right? 40 folks. So again, that, there will be that option uh, as, as well. And then finally, last Sunday morning in our Sunday school class, August the 18th, uh, we again reviewed what was actually originally a sermon last fall, the Bible class I taught on, on June 9th, and so I titled uh, that class last week, Being a Disciple Re-Revisited because we reviewed some things. And, and we defined discipleship as the process or the path of growth and development of a disciple. And as we reviewed this morning in our Sunday school class, a disciple is four things, a worshiper, a student, a friend, and a servant. And in relationship to what a disciple is, we then have intentionally developed this process or, or path. We move from a, worship, a worshiper to the assembly. And so we assemble at 9 o'clock, we worship. That's the first thing a disciple is. Secondly, a disciple is a student. And so we move right from worship into Sunday school class. Because, again, a disciple, really by definition, is a learner, a pupil, a student. And students go to school. And they go to school to learn. The third thing, a disciple is a friend. And that's where these smaller groups come into play. Sunday school class, a life group, 6 o'clock assembly, uh, Wednesday night Bible classes. If you're a lady, you have an opportunity to attend smaller group classes on Wednesday morning. And I, I know I would, I would encourage us just kind of organically to spend time together, to, to take that aspect of being a disciple. A disciple is a friend in developing relationships and connecting with one another and, and intentionally spending time together. You know, whether it's in... Um, you know, a, a Bible class, a life group, or again, just folks getting together 
three, four times a month. Or coming up and, and visiting with the preacher, you know, occasionally. Or whatever it is to be a friend and, and connect and develop these relationships. And then finally, a disciple is, is a servant and, and then the encouragement to be involved in some uh, kind of ministry. God grows us as we are in a position to receive that growth. And, and we've, we've given us, each of us, four positions in this path. Sunday morning assembly, Sunday school class, a smaller group on Sunday night, Bible class on Wednesday night, and any number of ministries or ways to be involved. And this can only happen if we're intentional about it, and we make the decision to do it. So, to conclude, six attitudes that can make a difference as a member of this church. Again, the Lord is our Savior. Jesus is our Savior. And so our first and foremost loyalty is to Him. He's God's Son. He's our Lord. He's our Savior. And we, those of us who, who have expressed our, our faith in Him and been immersed in His name are, are a part of what we sometimes call the church universal. But, but hopefully we, we've made an intentional decision to be a, a part of this body and, and that we will love this church. And so six attitudes that can make a difference here at Lamar Avenue. Number one. I will be a functioning Lamar Avenue Church of Christ member, hereafter abbreviated as LACC. Some of you may be familiar with the Pareto Principle. Uh, it's very simple yet very important. It is named after Italian economist Vilfredo Pareto, who in 1906 found that 80% of the land in Italy was owned by 20% of the population. And what was most important about Pareto's findings was that his 80-20 distribution occurs extremely frequently. It's often referred to as the 80-20 rule. And so the application to the church is 80% of the ministry is done by 20% of the members. That's out of balance. It's out of balance. I began Bible class this morning by reading Ephesians 4, verses 7 through 16. And verse 16 ends with Paul saying, The body only grows as God desires and has designed when each member does its part. NIV says, does its work. And so again, raising an awareness of involvement in raising the level of, of how many of us are, are actually involved in a ministry. And so how can we be a functioning member? Triple A, attend, ask, how can I best serve my church and accept some responsibility and follow through with that. Number two, I will be a unifying LACC member. Again, Ephesians 4. Second prong of our vision statement, the unity of believers. Paul says in chapter 4 of Ephesians verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. 
in order to be a unifying member, refuse to do two things. Number one, refuse to talk negatively about leadership. Number two, refuse to talk negatively about the congregation. Just stop it. And, and, uh, sorry, off track again. Especially on social media. Just stop that. I mean, social media is a wonderful thing. Facebook, when, when I first signed up about 10 years ago, it, I wasted so much time, but it, it was fun reconnecting with former youth group members and, and, and high school classmates and all sorts of stuff. But, but it's become this, this platform, really, people are, have just gotten away from, from talking with folks face-to-face. It's just easier. You can stay sometimes anonymous, uh, and I guess it, it's, it's less threatening to just post something on social media. So, so refuse, refuse to be negative about this church. Just, just refuse it. And, and if, you hear, if you hear someone out in the community, stop them. And especially if you hear a fellow member of Lamar Avenue, tell them to stop it. Halt. Time out. Let's talk about this. Let's go to whoever we need uh, to talk to. Number three, LACC will not be about my preferences. Believe it or not, even the preacher doesn't always get his way. Even the preacher. Entitlement attitudes foster indignant attitudes. And we, we, our focus, back to opening, opening the front door, our, our, our primary focus, in my mind, should be on who we're trying to reach rather than on who we're trying to keep. Ho- ho- hopefully, I mean, again, if, if, we're, if we're friends and making connections and relationships, we're going to take care of each other. That, that shouldn't be a, a concern. Right? The, one of the most powerful things I've read this summer was actually in the foreword to a book. Jared, do you ever read the foreword to a book or the preface? That's what I thought. Do you, do you ever read the footnotes? All right. Inside joke there. This is what you miss when you don't read the foreword or the preface. It's, it's from the book uh, by Travis Collins. It's a relatively new book titled From Steeple to the Street, Innovating Mission and Ministry Through Fresh Expressions of Church. All right? I've started reading this book, and I'm glad I read the foreword because a man by the name of Graham Cray wrote the foreword, and, and here's what he writes. Who will never be reached if you only do this. Who who will never be reached if you only do this? So so that's that's why it takes all of us thinking and dreaming and planning and programming and understanding that maybe my way is not always the best, but let's try something else. Let's try it.
Uh, again, because our, our focus must be on who we're trying to reach. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Mark 9, verse 35. Number four, I will pray for LACC. I'm talking about intentional intercessory prayer. Pray for our elders. Pray for our deacons. Pray for our staff. Pray for our vision. Pray about our children. Pray about our purpose. Pray for growth. Pray for opportunities to open to the open door. Pray that we wisely close the back door. And here, here's what I'm asking. Five minutes a day. Just, just pray. Pray for Lamar Avenue. Five minutes. That's not much time. Right? Think about praying for this church. Number five, I will lead my family to be a healthy LACC member. Parents, are your children here because of or in spite of? M -m model, model this life we are seeking to live in order to please God and be the disciple that God would have us to be. I, I mean, I, I go back to some of the things Jared and I shared in, in our Think Orange series. By the way, we're already planning, same time this next spring, uh, team preaching, an, another series that is family-oriented. And, and, and remember, one of the key concepts of, of Think Orange is we, we don't want the family and the church competing against each other. And, and we want the church to uh, better equip and enable our parents uh, to encourage our, our children. Because studies, studies have shown that you know, we're, we're losing our own children in, on, on many occasions. And so the importance, again, of, of nurturing our children in the Lord. And then finally, I will treasure LACC membership as a blessing rather than a burden. No congregation is perfect. You, you know why? Because you're in it and I'm in it. Right? And, and, and so we, we, again, Jesus is our Savior. The church didn't die for us. Jesus did. And, and that's our utmost loyalty. But again, if we, if we're, if we choose to be a part of, of this body, b b being a, a, a member that can be used to grow God's kingdom. I mean, after, after all, connecting with God, the most important part of that to me is the Great Commission, uh, to, to go and make uh, the disciples. And so I said earlier, as a unifying member, refuse to talk negatively about leadership, and number two, refuse to talk neg negatively about this congregation. Well, let me give you a third thing. Refuse to leave. Don't leave. As I mentioned in, in our welcome, we, we all have options. And, and, you know, we live in a culture and a society in which 
You know, we love choices and we love options. And it's very easy when, when we don't get our preference, just um, go somewhere else. So, so refuse to leave. What, work it out. Talk it out. Um, you know, if there's, if there's an issue with me, I like my steak medium. I prefer sweet potato rather than plain baked potato. Simple salad. I'll bring the dessert. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's share. Let's grow together. But, but refuse, just, just refuse when, when conflict arises or disagreement occurs or maybe we don't get our way just a little bit. Don't leave. Don't leave. Be here. I, I love this place. I mean, I'm on record saying I wish I could have never left. And I mean that. And so thankful to be back. And so I, I'm, I'm going to fight for this church because I believe God has intentionally placed me here for that. And you know what? I believe God has intentionally placed you as well. Th this is where we are. And, and this, is, this is who we're trying to be to, to reach this uh, community. American Express followed its membership has its privileges ads with a do more campaign, which ran from 1996 to 2004. If you go to YouTube and do a search, you can see a 30-minute clip of this campaign. And uh, the, the video begins, and just one after another, there are these beautiful, exotic places that are in, in the video. And little words start popping up. Escape more, save more, see more, whatever more, and then finally, do more. And in the last 12 to 15 seconds of, of the ad, this voice that I'm really envious of comes on and says, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, we're here to help you take advantage of the moment and help you plan for the next because American Express is here to help you do more. Now, I, I don't know that we can send you to exotic places. I, 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 don't, I don't know that, that we uh, can provide opportunity just to do whatever you want. But, we're convinced, our elders and your staff are convinced that, that we've at least now, and if it doesn't work, we'll try something new. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Right? We, we'll, we'll just know what not to do. You know, the old uh, Thomas Edison thing and the light bulb. But, but, but we, we, we have provided opportunity, again, for people uh, to go through a process, to follow a path, to be a disciple, and, and to grow as a disciple. And, and I, I hope that's all our desire, to become more like Jesus. That's, that's the purpose. And so, so these six things, I, I, I think, can enhance being a member of this church. So I want to ask you to go ahead and stand for just a moment. Not yet, Kyle, but please stand. 
And, and, if, and if you can, at this moment, at this time, if you can agree to those six things, would you please say, I will? I will. Let's sing.